Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. England defence and the best job has gone for the high ball. Trying to knock it down for Hosanna. Goal! And they've scored! <laughs> Ray Houghton! Oh, Whelan! Oh, Ronnie Whelan has done it! Ronnie Whelan has scored a goal to grace any footballing occasion. We're a small country and listen, we're up against it, but let's not just go along for the sing song every now and again. Oh, if you thought the original lineup of Guns N' Roses getting back together was exciting news, get a load of this. We've got the old gang back together for the first time in this coronavirus time. Second Captain Zero 2016 podcast in studio. Hi, Murph. Hey there, Owen. Hi, Richie. Glad you out. And hello in person, Ken Early. Oh, hi, Owen. Oh, amazing. Great. Yeah. great. It's just great to see you. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you can have all the fun conversations in the world, but... Nothing beats just sitting here right beside you, Ken. Well, Skype now. I mean, these Skype lines are getting, ah, it's getting to be higher still quality. Not the same. No. That's no, good. good to be back. I can now. lay my hands on him anytime I like going. You had a good time? Uh, Your very, highlight? Very good. Highlight? Oh, I don't know. Come on, one top moment. I was genuinely worried about you at one point. Why? Were, given the, the stories of being in and amongst the crowd violence and the trouble. <clears> oh, that wasn't really... All the way back to Marseille. Mm. Yeah. No, that, wasn't, that, was, that was fine, you know. No big deal. <laughs> How afraid were you on a scale of one to? Had um, you been around extremely that before? Extremely afraid. Yeah. Uh, tear gas. I never smelled tear gas. Um, but no, the, the England fans weren't threatening. The only de- the frightening bit was uh, walking back from the stadium after the England Russia game because the metro had stopped and you had to walk back into town. I had to walk back by myself uh, through these you know, uncertain streets, not knowing if there were still some Russians on the hunt. Mm. That was the only uh, kind of bit frightening bit. Portugal's hero, Ronaldo, last night, leads him into the final of Euro 2016. You happy for him, Ken? Uh, Not as happy as he is for himself. Uh, Actually, no, I wasn't happy for him. (laughs) 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 Richie already looks angry here, so explain yourself. I wanted Wales to win. I'll, I'll admit that. I, w- I wasn't there. I was watching the game on TV. I, I was hoping Wales would win. But they didn't win because Portugal had Cristiano Ronaldo. who scored an amazing goal. 
and then created another goal for Nani, and it was like two goals in no time. It was a bit like what France did to us, and suddenly Wales realised at that moment, we're done now. This is it. It's all over for us. And uh, it was quite a frustrating way for Wales to lose the game. Uh, so maybe my uh, my bias clouded my impression there. Uh, I mean, yeah, Ronaldo scored the goal. I don't think he played that well. But he did score a brilliant goal. So, I mean, you know, yeah. how, where am I setting the bar here? So why aren't you happy for him? Are, it, you, are you a Ronaldo hater? No, I'm not I'm not a Ronaldo hater. Uh, I mean, I didn't say I wasn't happy for him. I just said I wasn't happy as he is for himself. Mm-hmm. Mm, you kind of said you weren't happy for him. Uh, well, I just wish that, that Wales had won, but um, I mean that doesn't matter, you know. I, I mean, I am I'm happy for him. I think he did. I think he did very well. You know, what can I what can I say? I don't think he's. I mean, it's great. Ronaldo is, you know, Hugo Almeida in Portugal to the final of this tournament with all these nutting the ball in. Uh, from all these crosses. It's not the Ronaldo that we used to know, really, but um, he's uh, doing the business. Richie? I was delighted for him. Mm. Do you know what I think the, the, the root of my... why I care so much about this? It's bloody Stephen Alkin. <laughs> <laughs> that, that match, I, I worked on that match when Ronaldo missed a penalty against... God, who was it against? He hit the post. Anyway. Austria. Austria. And Steve, you probably remember Stephen Alkins' commentary was, he just roared, the arrogance of the man. Sent the keeper the wrong way and he lays it up against the post. Right, fair enough, that's a fairly absurd bit of commentary. But it's just that kind of thing that no matter what he does, there's a, he just gets overly criticised and he, the, the bar is set higher for him for obvious reasons than anyone else. But there's this kind of joy in seeing the fella mess up. Well, he just also, I mean, he also gets me monumentally off. rewarded. I mean, he's the best paid athlete in the world. Mm. You know, he is the most popular human being on Facebook. You know, it's not like poor Cristiano Ronaldo. I know, it makes no sense. Not unrecognized for his achievements. You know, unrecognized by, by a world that doesn't want to give him enough credit. Like, he gets plenty. I mean, when Stephen Alkin said that, remember the context of that was Ronaldo having um, been so snooty towards Iceland. They'll do nothing in this tournament, which was the second worst prediction uh, of the Euros after my prediction that Portugal would go out in the group stage. Uh, they're now in the final. And looked like they could... You know what Portugal remind me of is Homer Simpson's belly. You know the way... I've, there's, there's an episode, I was trying to remember which one it is, but someone tries to punch him in the belly and the hand just... The fist just disappears into the belly and then it's like he's trying to... The hand just gets trapped in the folds and Homer's kind of looking down, you know, in bemusement and the hand just almost won't come out. It's impossible. That's what Portugal are like. I mean, they're just a team which absorbs pressure like jelly. You know, it's just like where you know, it, it, everything just disappears. It's like, uh, and then somehow they score from a header and you're done. I mean, they haven't dominated a single game. I mean, that's the first game they've managed to win in 90 mm-hmm. minutes. You know, and here they are in the final. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's been such a strange tournament for the image of Ronaldo, though, because you, there's all this stuff. There's the arrogance that people talk about, and we've been through a million times. But again, last night, he showed this this incredible ability to be nice to people when they really don't deserve you being too nice to them. Like this, ball, this ball boy or mascot or whatever he was coming up before the game, and he's, Ronaldo's trying to get psyched up to play a Euro semi-final for a bloody selfie. So he stands there, gets in the selfie with this guy, then the fella says, oh, I know, what, while I'm here, I'm going to stand in the team photograph. 
sidles up beside Ronaldo to pose. Has nobody seen this? Poses in the team. I saw the selfie. Poses in the team photograph with Ronaldo. Like he's got the arm not quite around him, but standing right beside him. Mm. And Ronaldo kind of glances, glances again, and then actually like lights up in a smile, thinking, "I like the shots by this guy." You know, mm-hmm. this guy's got a bit of the Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> about him. So he gives him a hug and then walks over to take the kickoff. Which is, I wouldn't say there's too many footballers in the world who would take that quite so well. The man's uh, a hero. In the couple of minutes, man's a hero again. So for little children to come onto me. Mm. I don't know. The TV screen, I mean, which was at the centre of the uh, the vicious Twitter spat between you two last night. Mm. Uh, so, Ken, for those of you who haven't seen this, I mean, I'm sh- uh, the nation is talking about it this morning, but Ken had tweeted something about unbelievable. He's looking at the TV screen again. Uh, moments after, in an unrelated tweet, Richie said, oh, we don't like him because he looks at yeah, TV I've got Richie. I've got Richie's tweet in front of me. Yeah, go uh, on, he, had just in, in, his, he just scored his opening goal. Inverted yeah. commas. But he keeps looking at himself on TV. Exclamation mark. Close inverted commas. Then Richie's edition. Hashtag twats. So well, uh, then Ken, well, found, we're going to have to have a proper sort out tomorrow. This is what I'm trying to get to here. Well, what I found amazing is that he... I was unaware of your original tweet, yeah. which wouldn't have changed <laughs> the wording of my tweet in any way. I was unaware. Did you see him looking at himself as he slid for the goal celebration? That's what I was talking about. Actually, in the... He, no, he, no, no. You, he you, runs to the corner and he slides and his eyes are fixed on a point that I know happens to be where the big screen in the stadium is he's watching himself celebrate the goal that he's just scored I think that's weird now it may just be that Ronaldo has got so much more practice at scoring goals than every other player in the tournament that like he it just doesn't really do it for him on the same you know a lot of players might score and then just completely lose their minds and run around and go you know I've just scored the opening goal in a European semi-final oh my god this is the greatest <laughs> moment of my life and their brain they don't remember anything that happens for the next 10 seconds Ronaldo retains perfect self-control he's still watching himself from a position outside himself and he's able to watch himself watching himself on the screen it's an amazing meta thing that he's able to do but it's like when you score so many goals you know, you can just keep your composure at moments. Remember the way Thierry Henry just would score and then <laughs> wouldn't almost never celebrate, wouldn't even crack a smile. It meant nothing to him. You know, another goal, what's it to me? I don't care. You know, all I'm going to do is pose in this slightly brooding, aggressive way. Like Ronaldo's able to do that. But he's the only player I've seen actually watch himself on the screen during a celebration while the celebration is happening. That's amazing to me. I would, name another player in the Euros who, who, who you've seen do that. I can't think of anyone. Who, who has done that in this tournament or any Ever. other tournament? No. But it's it's such a minor, small, little kind of idiosyncratic thing or whatever, as opposed to the build-up to this behaviour is, well, he's just got another goal in the biggest... He's just put his country 1-0 ahead. Mm. That's the stuff... It's like people back in the day slagging Shearer for his boring hand-in-the-air celebration. Mm-hmm. I think his response well... <laughs> You know, it's 20 goals I'm getting, it's 30 goals I'm getting. That's the bit I'm focusing on, all the goals that he's getting and the wins he's getting for his teammates. The oh, progression yeah. of the country, the bonuses for his team, all of, all of those stuff. The fact that he enjoys himself. Yeah. Let him. No, I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying Ronaldo's not a good player. He's an amazing player. You're just saying he's a twat. <laughs> I, you see, I think the, I think the, the twatishness is from... The, 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 the overemphasis or the, the focus on that kind of a thing so you're, you're going to talk and you're not you're here in front of me so you're getting the brunt of this Ken yeah, yeah. but I don't think you are the worst <laughs> at it by any means yeah. but you're, you're representing 
twat this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm here it's, it's, on it's, their behalf. I'm <laughs> when you when you talk about Ronaldo, when you talk about him or giving a view, if if the fact that he looks at himself at the TV off off the ball or whatever, if that comes in your first two or three or four or five observations, you're just I think you're just missing the point. Uh. It's difficult to miss, though. It's, it's difficult yeah. to, to overlook. I mean, the thing is that, the thing is that vanity and self-absorption are inherently ridiculous qualities, you know, for, from the point of view of people who are, you know, onlookers. They're, so it's, it's a way of behaving that is, that is automatically going to attract, you know, what you, you could call haters or twats or, you know, just people who have you know, some normal sense of values. <laughs> what do I mean by normal values? I don't know. Is this some kind of weird uh, Puritan hangover? Like, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, it's, you know, never look like you're, never look like you think you're the greatest. You know what I mean? Just always modesty, even if it's false modesty. Ronaldo did have that quote, of, you know, a year or two ago, false modesty or... Um, you know, too much humility is 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 false. You know what I mean? It's like people who people are going around. Oh, shucks, little old me. Like if he was to act like that, if he was to go, I'm just one of the I'm just one of the boys here. That would be fake. Mm. You know, when he's actually like, I'm a god. And do people really want the false humility or the humility at all? Do people? We're watching. We're not. We're actually watching Ronaldo in the Euro 2016 final. If it wasn't for him, Portugal don't have a huge amount more to recommend them. Mm. You know, they've got this young Ronaldo Sanchez. It's always exciting to see a young player. Other than that, what what are they? I mean, it's Nani. It's it's these kind of players who have spent a career not really exciting viewers. So while people might rage against what Ronaldo does and looking at the screen and all this kind of thing, is it actually what most people want to see? From I him? think so. Yeah. Would you not be quite disappointed if Ronaldo suddenly came across? Yeah, I mean, I think a, we're as the fake humble footballer. I think we're expecting uh, behavior from a massive global celebrity. You know, we're expecting him to behave normally, which is in itself probably, you know, a forlorn hope because the, the life he leads is so completely, you know, out there. It's a totally bizarre existence that he, that he leads. But that he chose himself. Exactly. But I mean, what, no, what I'm saying is that, well, no, well, I don't know that he chose himself. Yeah, well, he did. well, he did. Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple of players you could compare him to. They're his teammates at Real Madrid. Yeah. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo. But he's like ten times more famous than any of those. Ten times more talented as well. Ten times more talented. I'm not sure. Okay, forget the ten. He's more talented. Yeah, he's he's been the top. He's been the top player at Real Madrid. But you feel he didn't choose the life? Just go back to that, Richard. What, what, yeah. What? Where's the choice? What? What? I don't, I don't get. He didn't choose the life. Like he's he he. Have you seen his ad for Six Bit? No, but someone mentioned that on Twitter to me the other day, and I didn't look it up. What? That's is, a choice. It's Good choice. Describe you know, it. What happened in it? Ronaldo fastens this. You know, the, you know the ways it's this kind of. There's a certain constituency of people out there who believe that vibrating the flesh will help it will help the fat to disappear and you to develop a toned, conditioned body. I mean, the, those people are out there. That's a that's a substantial dollar. And so there's there's this thing which it's basically like a sort of a, you stick it onto your abs. Or your belly, you know, to be <laughs> where, where you think your abs might case, be, yeah. where you'd like your abs to appear at some future date, and it sort of it sort of vibrates rhythmically. And the idea, I believe, based on having watched this ad with Cristiano Ronaldo, is that you know, after you, if you do this regularly, you will develop a six pack, not unlike 
just like him. Nothing like that of Real Madrid's legendary Goliador. I mean, just watch the ad. You know, this is like, this is how he chooses to portray himself. It's going to attract, he can't complain if people go, oh, come on, seriously? Seriously. You know, he can't, it's, I don't know if it, maybe it's, it's deliberately designed to, to elicit that, that type of reaction from people. I don't know. Maybe he's laughing at all of us. He's definitely watched the ad a few times, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just, I mean, that's a, that's a choice. You know, it's like Gareth Bale. Look, look, Bale plays for Real Madrid, similar type of setup, similar. He plays in all the same games as Ronaldo. Um, his behavior is completely different. The way that uh, the way he's that getting he treats, a third of the amount of goals as Cristiano Ronaldo, though. He's yeah, not even getting half the goals that Ronaldo gets. It's getting. difficult to be in a team at Ronaldo and score anything like the number of goals that he scores, though, you know? Um, I mean, look at the Barcelona players. You know, do they, I mean. Neymar. Tax cheats. Neymar. Uh, Suarez. <laughs> uh, Messi. Suarez is, is fully tax compliant, I think. There's a number, a number of other players. Yeah, they need to remove the plural just for yeah. legal tax. I mean, that did, that did happen yeah. last night. As soon as, uh, you know, we were talking about Ronaldo on Twitter and immediately there was people going, well, you know, at least he's tax compliant. You know, at least, <laughs> at, least he pays his, at least he pays his taxes. And this is obviously the new front. The, Ronaldo has opened up a decisive edge. You know, look, look at all the ways that you can compare uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. And Ronaldo has opened up a decisive edge in the tax compliance, good citizenship. <laughs> and... Uh, and also may open up an edge in the international tournaments uh, country led to victory in, Colin. Yeah, it totally throws the, the kind of good versus evil narrative that everyone's fit Messi and, and, and Ronaldo into. It's, it's not good versus evil, though. It's, it's but you listen to some people and it is. They can't talk about one without mentioning the other. And well, it's, it's like... They do, naturally, they do naturally kind of draw those kinds of comparisons. But it's, it's like a kind of... Uh, ethic of behaviour. I mean, we were talking about this before and I was saying Messi is just, it's not like Messi isn't egotistical and selfish and, and ambitious and shares a lot of these same qualities, but he just isn't as obvious about it. Like, he doesn't make it like the focal point of his of his public persona, you know? One um, quality that Leo Messi doesn't have as a footballer is the ability to reach a height of 7 foot 10 apparently is what Ronaldo got to last night according to match of the day by the time he actually had headed that ball in I mean that header was just a thing of beauty everything about it not just the header the, the, the run the movement uh, the hang time and the actual contact he got in the ball can you imagine the work he puts in in the gym to, yeah. to, to, to get to that level of performance and you know, obviously he takes the top off regularly so you can see the, 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 he's in great nick but that kind of drive, that's the bit that I was talking about the other day. That's the bit that when I think of Ronaldo, that, that separates him from so many other players is, is the amount of work he seems to do, this, this drive and with all he's achieved, the, the, the motivation of that drive doesn't seem to have dipped in any way. Like the ridiculous comment after Iceland, he, most people would just be like, why do you care? Why isn't this a, why aren't you joining in in the way the rest of us were, particularly given all that you've won? And it just, there's no fading of that that, that whatever it is within him. Is that a contender for goal of the tournament? Um, you wouldn't normally say it about a header, but from a corner. Uh, well, I mean, Pogba's goal was of oh, similar yeah. quality, I thought. A similar type of goal yeah. in the in the France-Iceland game. Uh, yeah, I just felt... Ronaldo's, like, with that header, one, Ronaldo's header against Hungary was arguably better. The difference Ronaldo's between, goal, the, the other goal against Hungary, the flick, mm. um, 
also I think the, um, the bicycle kick, man. the, the Ross and Kanu goal, yeah. and and, and Shakiri. Yeah, I, t- I mean, I think I think. Well, I, did, I did say contender just to uh, <laughs> seem to be getting it from all sides. I think you could put it into. I mean, Ronaldo has got an amazing collection of those of of headers. Yeah. When you think back, I mean the. The one against Roma. Roma. Yeah, for United. Unbelievable. I mean, that was kind of the first time I think people realised that, my God, this guy's an unbelievable header of the ball as, yeah. as well as everything else. In the Champions League final, scored a great header the, for Man United against Man United in the Champions League for Real Madrid. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, uh, what, what I thought elevated above, say, the Pogba header was Pogba essentially had about five yards of space to run into. Yeah. The, for some reason, the Iceland players were all basically standing on the line yeah. and just letting him come in and thump a header in. Whereas Ronaldo was being marked really tightly, albeit by a much smaller man, yeah. which has been you know, kind of thrown at Chris Coleman a little bit. Yeah. Uh, or certainly, maybe not directly at him, but it has been mentioned Bale afterwards. Should have been marking. Somebody, yeah, or you know, just any of the taller players uh, rather than Chester. So, okay, small player, but, but ultimately he was sticking to him like a leech and Ronaldo just m- made such a clever run that he managed to get himself an angle from which he could propel himself up uh, into the air to bang the header home. So I just thought it was, he had a little more work to do maybe than Pogba had to get the header across there. But we might as well talk about Wales because we've got a Welsh contributor coming up in a moment. I kind of feel, you know, this is, in a couple of months' time, a uh, Welsh player could have a flashback to this tournament. And while most, most of the flashbacks will be very pleasant, Richie, they might just feel we allowed ourselves to lose that semi-final. Could we have done a bit? Could we more? have done a bit? They didn't seem. They looked like players who, mm. to be honest, it kind of looked like they'd lost a friendly match afterwards. They did, did, didn't seem to be particularly devastated. There was a lot of hugs with the Portuguese players, which is all fine. But it didn't strike me that this is being hypercritical, really, but uh, because it's a staggering achievement what they did. But I think that might have been in their heads. We've 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 had the staggering achievement now. If we lose, we lose. Yeah, I got I got that kind of feeling from you're right to like to, to be critical of Wales given <laughs> given what they've done as a starting point is maybe missing mm. mi- missing the, the the bigger picture a little bit. But just watching that last night, it was just seemed to be like maybe just the avoidance of mistakes. Maybe initially was was the focus, and there wasn't a. I mean, they only kind of mustered up was it long shots in terms of in terms of opportunities to score, but there wasn't a kind of a, a rip roaring performance where we imagine on that phrase you know we'd go out blazing or whatever there was there didn't seem to be that and the post-match reactions did seem to be a bit you know happy to be here and aren't we great well Chris Waithen is the author of Together Stronger the Rise of Welsh Football's Golden Generation Chris it's all over for you this morning how are you feeling about things now um yeah well it's 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 still probably not sunk in the, the extent of the ach- achievement and perhaps won't do for a few years yet perhaps not until you know the next Euros when the semi-finals are taking place and you can say well that was the level Wales were at. The hope will be, of course, that they can. This is not just a flash in the pan. You know that that what they've shown they're capable of a side, and what a small nation can do when a, a plan is put in place, essentially, um, can can keep them going now because they really have, uh, you know, captured the hearts of a nation and really inspired. Because Welsh football has been in some pretty dark places over the years, and. Um, and yeah, I don't think the country's ever been prouder of its national team than it is right now. No, and I mean, obviously, up until now, the rest of the world has mostly known Wales for the for the rugby achievements. It was interesting. One of the headlines, for example, in the Independent this morning on Ian Herbert's article is an achievement. That this is getting to the semis of the Euros is an achievement which eclipses any other Welsh sport has delivered. Would you agree with that? Uh, it's not far off. I mean, there might be some that suggest Joe Calzaghe. Uh, Lynn Nalip uh, and his world record long jump but um, I think when you talk about the level of football I think the exposure and the standing of the game and um, what it does for the profile of, of Wales really I mean there's countries that 
would never have seen that flag before, will never have heard that anthem before. You know, rugby doesn't reach those places. Football does. And, uh, and I think it's done more for the profile of the country, the identity of the culture and the language than any government marketing campaign could ever do. That's, what, that's the power of football. And it's the manner in which they've done it. It's the manner in which the players have embraced it, the fans have embraced it, that really has, has left a mark on this tournament. And, um, and I think people now know what Wales is all about. And um, if you can sum up one word, it's probably pride. The, uh, the, the whole question of rivalry between rugby and football is something that we're very well used to in Ireland. And I know that I've got quite a few friends, football fans, who uh, are delighted to see the Irish rugby team lose. And I think there's some people who, who also look at things vice versa. Do you think there would have been some people in Wales who, who would have been quite pleased to see Cristiano Ronaldo's header hit the back of the net last night? Uh, one or two. I think it works mostly the other way. Um, I think that football, even though it's the most played sport, most attended sport in Wales, um, there are those that get a bit bitter about the sort of reinforced stereotype of Wales as a rugby nation. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive things. I think there's there's room for both. But you know, football has had its struggles in competing with it, rightly or wrongly. But what what this has done is shown that there is not only an appetite, but a huge um, huge desire for Welsh football on an international level uh, to really really achieve and uh, really grow and grow and grow. And um, you know, if you want an example, I'm not sure of the figures for the semi-final, but certainly the quarter-final against Belgium, which is one of the... Well, it was the greatest Welsh football performance I've ever seen. Um, that had an audience of, I think, more than a third of the nation, which was the best-watched sporting event uh, of all time in Wales and, and the third best TV event of all time only just behind the, the Olympic opening and closing ceremony so I think that tells you everything you need to know about the reach of football and um, the challenge now is to build on that but I think there's um, there'll be a few kids over these last uh, week or so down the park practising uh, Hal Robson car new turn now now he's, he's taking it off Johan Cruyff and, uh, or perhaps asking for the hair to be bleached uh, like Aaron Ramsey, and uh, and 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 that is that's that's the legacy that this team will leave. Yeah, last night I think Robson Canu tried a couple a couple of tricks last night which didn't quite come off, and obviously Ramsey wasn't there. There were a couple of Davies wasn't there either. So a couple of key men out, which I think everybody accepts for a country with the lack of depth that Wales would have was always going to be an issue. But were you surprised still about the the drop off in performance from that Belgium game? Roy Keane, you probably don't need to be hearing this this morning, Chris, but I'll, I'll give it to you. Roy Keane and ITV said the manager spoke before the game about having no regrets. I think they will have regrets. They were never on the front foot. They started playing when they were two 0 down, but that's a cop out. Uh, well, Roy's uh, got plenty of opinions, isn't he? And um, I'm not going to argue with him, but um, I don't think they can have any regrets. I mean, I, it's, I think Portugal played them a huge compliment in the way they set up. I think it's probably Portugal's best display of the tournament. And I think they showed a bit of experience that Wales didn't. I think they panicked a little bit when they went to goal down. Conceding two in, in such a short space of time is always tough. I think first half is very even. They missed Ramsey a little bit. I think Coleman might have got one or two subs wrong, but um, you know, ultimately they gave their best. I mean, there was players coming off; they had nothing left to, left to give. I think the, the the toll emotionally and physically of this campaign, as, as uh, it, it showed a little bit last night, and probably best showcasing Joe Allen, who you know people talk about Bill and talk about Ramsey, and rightly so. But Joe Allen's an outstanding player, and when he doesn't perform, Wales don't tend to perform as well as they can because he dictates the tempo of a game. 
he was a little bit off it last night. The game was too slow for Wales's liking, and um, and it was almost a little bit inevitable. Um, you know, and then when you've got someone like Ronaldo who can do what he can do, um, it makes it that much harder. But um, you know, the very fact right at the end that there's no tears. You know, the only people you could hear in the stadium were the Welsh fans. I think that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, Chris, if you would have done the mix zone or the press conference for both last night. Um, did you see any of the players? What 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 was their kind of mood at the at the end of the tournament? Were they were they speaking to the media? Were they, were they did they seem upset? Were they proud? Yeah, I think. I mean, there's obviously a, there was a level of disappointment, and you know there's a few sort of sighs, but there was no there was no red eyes, put it like that. There was no one who dodged the questions. They all they all stopped, and um, and all talked about their pride. And I mean, it will take a while for it to before they fully pat themselves on the back. There'll be a homecoming party, and perhaps that will be the time for it. And and as as, as they lay on a sun lounge or someone getting a well-deserved break before they go back to pre-season. Um, perhaps you know a couple of moments. Then we'll say, you know what, we 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 did ourselves proud. We did our country proud. You've got to remember the size of this team. You've got to remember that it was you know five years ago they were 117th in the world behind Haiti and, and Guatemala, and you know the, a laughing stock in the eyes of some. But there was always this hope that this, as I say in my book, this golden generation. And again, that's been something that's mocked, but it is for a for a team of Wales and the the, the Premier League talent that's throughout and the the harmony they've got it has been a golden generation they've proven it out there and I think um, you know they've got a hunger for it and they'll um, you know Moldova at home at the start of the next qualifiers doesn't have quite the same ring as a as a European final as your next match but um, they go in with the same sort of attitude they've approached these qualifiers then uh, should be seeing him in Russia in a couple of years. You'll be happy to hear that Ryan Giggs put it up to Keane on ITV last night, anyway, Chris, and uh, made a little <laughs> joke. That, well, he just made a nice little joke that the Wales' run to the World Cup should be nice and easy. A handy qualifying group with the Republic of Ireland included in there. Uh, I'm looking at the fixtures here. I think it's unfortunately to wait quite a long time. It's actually mm. the first Wales Ireland game isn't until March 2017, which is going to be in Dublin. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be a good occasion, though, I'd imagine. Yeah, it will be. It will be. And, you know, there is a. Excuse me. It will be a, a tougher a campaign, not only because you've got Moldova and Georgia and, and the difficulties those away trips bring. I think Serbia uh, aren't the side that dropped off quite dramatically in the last uh, last qualifiers, and then um, you know the sort of um, the sort of knowing each other a bit too well for each other's likings almost in, in Wales and Ireland. And but most importantly, is the, it'll be back to second place being a playoff position. And I think you know the. The expansion of the tournament and its critics, uh, but I think what Iceland and, and Wales have done, and, and, the, and you know, Republic of Ireland themselves in in pushing where they could in a very very difficult group um, and playing superbly in that first 45 minutes uh, against France, um, that shows that that there is room, and more importantly, I think it showed in the qualifying that if you give people that that hope to cling to, they'll raise their games, and that will be the challenge for all those now if they can still maintain that hunger and desire to um, to go for it. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it seems a while off yet. And um, forgive me if I'm not getting too excited about <laughs> no, the prospect. Yes, yeah, I just want to get home, to be honest. I think that's fair enough, Chris, yeah. And, uh, and, but yeah. Uh, once it all starts up again, you know, um, we'll be... Uh, We'll be hyping it up, I'm sure, and there'll be uh, there'll be plenty more stories to write about. Yeah, there sure will be. That's for another day. Listen, Chris, uh, glad you guys had such a great time over there, and thanks very much for talking today. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your support. We know uh, you Irish boys were behind us last night, even if it didn't quite come off. But it's been a great tournament for everyone, I think. Cheers.
Every so often, I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around to bite someone. John Hayes, I'm talking about, Owen. Yeah. John Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers. That's where I was close from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Yeah, just that point, I guess Chris, in a way, uh, backed up the point that the players weren't as upset as uh, as other sets of players might be if they'd lost a European semi-final, but it probably is a little bit churlish at this stage to be having a go at the Welsh players, given what they uh, given what they achieved. Ken, how are you looking at that World Cup qualifying group right now? Um, well, hopefully Wales will suffer a massive slump in morale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's over now for us. We've We've shot our bolt. It's done. Uh, and the team will drift away. That's what I'm hoping happens, because there's only one automatic qualifying place. Austria are going to be there. Hopefully Austria will be, having suffered the exact opposite tournament to what Wales have just done, where they were humiliated. Uh, they were maybe the biggest underperformers in the entire tournament. I mean, remember Austria were like, oh, Austria a bit of a dark horse, mm-hmm. you know? They were absolutely humiliated. Um, eliminated in the group stage. Um we have to see how that sort of affects them. Um, will they come back stronger or will they just lose interest? Uh, and then there is the um, Serbia, who are impossible really to predict. A, player, a country with a lot of um, good players who, uh, you know, they, they almost finished on negative points in the last group because they had points deducted for various crowd-related things and uh, just played terribly. Surely they can't be that bad again. Then there's Georgia, who we keep playing and beating. You know, can that, hopefully our run against Georgia continues. It's never been so convincing that we'd say we'd, that's a run we'll always be able to continue, yeah. uh, continue George, with. Georgia, who I did, of course, confuse with Slovakia at the start of the tournament when we were previewing, I think it was, it was Wales are playing Slovakia. And I was like, we Slovakia always, aren't that great. We always beat them. And you said, we don't really. We've drawn a few. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. And then I checked it up. It's like, oh, that's Georgia. I'm thinking of Georgia. Georgia, A yeah. completely different country. It's, it's big like, of you to, re- to revisit that. Uh, I just, I, I just was, I knew one person would tweet something. So I just thought I'd get in ahead of it. Is, is it a guarantee that Chris Coleman will still be in the job then. Would he be, be well sought after? Yeah, yeah. he'd be sought after. What can he do now that's the tops that? Exactly. And, you know, one way they, they, the Wales squad could respond is to, you know, that's it. That's we, we, We've done all we can do. And there'd be a little bit deflated or they'd go the opposite. And that's just where we're, we're, mm. we're heroes and all turn into egomaniacs. The manager <laughs> jumps ship because he's got notions about himself and. It all comes crumbling down. That could happen to Iceland as well. But uh, nice miserable note there. Let's uh, let's lift this, Simon, with Nesbitt Watch. It's an historic day for the Nesbitt Watch slot here in the Irish Times Second Captain's Euros podcast because today is a day the torch is passed. No longer is Nesbitt Watch limited to the actions of just one admittedly great man. From this day forward, it encompasses any celebrity who... Uh, turns up at a televised sporting event a little bit the worse for wear if you spot any wannabe Nesbits out there just email secondcaptains at irishtimes.com or tweet me at omatevitt this week's honorary Nesbit is a very proud and somewhat tipsy Robbie Savage on BBC Breakfast TV the morning after Wales' win against Belgium hasn't got a club scored three goals in the championship last scored season. three goals in the championship last season has put defenders to shame Wales he could win it <laughs> 
Uh, I think Robbie Savage is a deserving recipient of this. dragging it off the street. <laughs> spectacular. Yeah. He was with, I think it was Hartson was beside him, who seemed to be holding up well. Because pretty clearly the two boys have been out together, yeah. I, I assume, unless they don't get on. Oh, yeah, I'd say you'd see them walking around yeah. in the uh, media centre. Hartson. Uh, Considerably bigger man, John Hartson, maybe. maybe. Bellamy. Yeah. Uh, Bellamy usually hang around by himself outside talking really? on the phone, yeah. Really? <laughs> I don't know if he's that sociable. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, Robbie Savage is obviously super sociable with the right kind of person. Okay, tweet me with, uh, if you spot any more, Robbie Savage slash James Nesbitt before the end of the tournament. The second semi-final is on in March. Say what an occasion tonight, France against Germany. Raphael Honigstein is out and about in the city now. Rafa, Oliver Bierhoff, who's, what's Oliver Bierhoff's role again? He's got one of these. Team chef. Team Team chef. Chef means chief, oh, not cook. <laughs> uh, general manager, guy who looks after all the arrangements, leaving the coach to concentrate on football. Bierhoff says that uh, Jeremy are slight underdogs. Rafa, is anyone believing this nonsense? I think they do believe it to a certain extent. I think it's the injuries. Uh, Kadira and Gomez, Schweinsteiger, fit enough to play, but how fit is he really in the grand scheme of things? And Hummels, of course, being missed really Sorely as well at the back uh, with suspension. So I guess they've they've seen the uh, Eisen game, and even though Eisen probably no real benchmark for this French team, and the way they they themselves struggled over 120 minutes, and you just feel maybe it's a good thing that for once they go into a game at the Euros being the slight underdogs. I can't I, I can't accept that they are the underdogs though, uh, Rafael. I mean uh, you know I know that Mats Hummels is a big loss. He scored against France in the quarterfinals of the World Cup um, you know the last big match that they played against each other but you know I've seen Olivier Giroud do very well in a couple of games against Ireland and Iceland doing what he does really well which is bullying inferior defenders I'm I'm interested to see how he gets uh, gets on against Jerome Boateng Well I think you're right I mean Jerome Boateng is going to you know it's not going to be an Icelander against uh, against Giroud but France have different players they have Griezmann, he did all sorts of damage to Bayern in an Atletico shirt, the very same players that you come up against. There's uh, Payet, who, with his little movement, just outside the box, can cause real real problems. And even the pace of somebody like Kingsley Coman, you know, poses yet another question. And I think it's that variety that France has got up front. Yes, they might not be the, the perfect unit. They might not play with the same cohesion and maturity that Germany do. But individually, they have enough, I think, to trouble this Germany for the first time. They haven't really been troubled. Italy did not create one single proper chance from open play, scored from a penalty. Nobody else really did, apart from Poland, for one or two good situations they had. So you can look and say Giroud hasn't done it yet, but neither has this Germany team against proper strikers. And for all Giroud's fault, I would include them in in that category. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in uh, in one of your pieces on this that the big talking point at Germany's base camp uh, at Avian has been Thomas Miller, who's got this remarkable scoring record in tournaments of 10 goals in the World Cup and no goals at all in the European Championships, including obviously this one. Um, Germany have, you know, did, didn't have a lot of, didn't take a lot of strikers to the tournaments. Mario Gomez is now injured. They kind of need Thomas Muller to to revert to the usual Thomas Muller form. So when you say this has been a big talking point, what have people been saying about his apparent his sudden inability to score? Yeah, well, I mean, they're trying to figure out why that is. And he himself has been asked and he came up with some lots of little nice little lines saying it's not really that important. It's, somebody asked, is this like the gas in your tank? 
you know, implying that he's now running on empty without the ghost. He said, no, no, it's just a, the lacquer on the body of the car. It's just something that sparkles on the outside, but not, ne- not ne- really necessary to my game. Talking about the team, talking about the fact that he was, as you said, leading goal scorer in 2010, but Germany got knocked out in the semi-finals, and he'd rather those two things would be, would be reversed this time. And I guess you can make a certain allowance for the fact that he had to play mostly wide out on the right at this tournament, and that the movement up front wasn't perhaps as crisp and as fluid as we've seen from former Germany teams. But I think tonight he will play as a false nine. He will be the most central striker. And I think it's all just been a little bit off for him. And while they have enough quality to, to win without him, as it were, it'd be much easier with him. And I think it'd be a very good opportunity to start, start refining his touch tonight. Rafael, it's good to catch up with you in this tournament because I, I don't know if you're aware, but you became a uh, sort of a fringe character in an anecdote told by <laughs> told by Ken Hurley at his own expense uh, from from a few weeks back in the tournament, uh, an incident on an overnight train. Maybe you can take take us through what you saw on that fateful oh, evening. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I sat back in this train. There was loads of space behind me, and uh, I was sort of waving to to Ken, but he was just in his own little zone. Uh, with a hood on, just looking into head back 1,000 miles there, Roy Keane-like. <laughs> and, um, and he did not pay attention to me at all. But then this poor guy comes back, this middle-aged man, very <laughs> little hair. Uh, he almost looked defeated just looking at Ken with that hood and, uh, and saying, this is my seat. And Ken's like, no, you know, go fuck yourself or whatever he said to him. <laughs> and as I got up, I just thought I had to bring this up in, a, in an elegant way and said to Ken, please... I'm leaving now. This is my seat. Just don't take it while I'm gone. No, I don't think so. Rafa, thanks for sharing your uh, pleasure, your experience of that, that horrifying evening. Thanks so much, Rafael, and enjoy the game tonight. I'll give you the unvarnished account of what happened, will I? There was a train at like one o'clock back to Paris. Arrived at the station in Saint-Étienne before that train was due to go to find utter bedlam. The seat numbers weren't being respected. It was with an air of foreboding. I went to find Place 41, and as I expected, it already contained a tired-looking England fan, Geordie man, probably in his late 20s. He knew why I had come, and I looked at him sternly and waggled my ticket and said, Sorry, mate, it's actually my seat. And he said, Sorry, mate, we've actually just been told to sit anywhere. The seat numbers don't count. Basically, tough shit. I've sulked and stomped around a little bit and complained and sent angry text messages to people who didn't care. Then I thought, there's no point in just sitting here. Who knows what might happen? Possession was now 100% of the law. You have to go and find someone else whose seat you can take. So I started walking along the train and in the very end carriage there was a couple of empty seats. Ah. I thought, that's interesting. I went on to the first empty seat I saw and tried to sit down. The England fans there said, sorry, mate, our friend's there. So I said, okay, moved up, went to the next empty seat, sat down, guy next to it, no complaints. Well, the situation seems to have changed. I'm now one of the haves rather than the have-nots. A few minutes later, as I suspected it might, previous other seat came along and said, sorry, mate, that's my seat. And I said, sorry, mate, my seat is actually Watcher 12, Class 41, but there's someone sitting in it. So I just came and sat in this seat, which, which is unoccupied. There's a lot of us in the same boat. And he said, but that's ridiculous. I've just gone to the canteen and I got this orangina. And I said, I know, I'm really sorry. It's really unfair. The system is a total shambles. He walked away saying the word tosser. I felt bad for the guy. Maybe he didn't realize that he was in the jungle. He still thought he was on the train, but this was actually a jungle. And I thought to myself, well, 
I can't really complain about that characterization of my behavior at this moment. However, I do have a seat and I don't think anyone saw. Well, well, well. Rafa Hanningstein delivering another layer of intrigue on top of that story again. Didn't realise yeah. it. Didn't realise it was a middle-aged man who you booted out of. Well, I didn't. I mean, well, whose seat you sat on and I mean, refused to get up. One middle-aged man and another middle-aged man <laughs> running over, running like stags over Where, scarce resources. What's, what's the problem with <laughs> that? Whereas the young Geordie in his mid twenties, you, you took one look at and thought you can keep watch or whatever he was in class. <laughs> well, he was he was with his mates. Yeah, ah. so this you picked off the weakest there. member of the herd, Kent. I just, I just sat in a seat that was unoccupied I by mean, a man who had gone to the shop for thirty seconds to buy an orange. Well, so, well, sorry, like if he, he's living in some Pollyanna world where you, you think you can just get up and because you used to sit in a seat, you now own that seat. I had a ticket for a seat. I just thought it was interesting that what Rafa said about all the seats that were available beside him. I thought that was an interesting detail. I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't see any you such, didn't see those seats. such okay, seats. That's, that's interesting. Did the fellow have his possessions or something around the chair? Was it a coat no, nothing, or anything? Nothing, there was no, no sign nothing. that it was occupied? No. Apart from the fact that I knew it almost certainly was occupied because <laughs> it was people like twisting you know, into luggage racks uh, to try and get some sleep on this train of misery. So I thought, yeah, there's probably someone there, but they're not there now, so they should be there, really. They, they've been careless. The lad's bit. What he's done there is he's been careless. Just to get back to France, hopefully Paul Pogba has the mental strength to concentrate in this game, considering he's at the centre of this ongoing sort of transfer speculation. But it seems to be pretty beefed up this morning, is it? That it, Man United are going to spend a hundred million pounds. Um, well, Man United is spending plenty of money, um, and Mino Raiola is having the summer of his life. He's Pogba's agent as well, is he? Pogba, Zlatan, Zlatan. and Mkhitaryan. Mm. All Mino Raiola's boys and Jose Mourinho was spending money on, on his players. I I would love to hear George Mendes' view on this. I would love to know what conversations they've had about, well, Jose, you know, what about uh, James Rodriguez? You know, he's like, actually, I'm going to go for Mkhitaryan. You know? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, okay. Uh, can't interest you in Hugo Almeida? <laughs> no. Uh, well, you think Jose might be aligning himself with a different super agent? Well, he, I mean, he clearly has done. I mean, who knows what goes on in the background? But this is this is big. You know, he's he's obviously working on this Mino Raiola relationship. This Manchester United Jose Mourinho have, have hooked up with him big style. Because I mean, Zlatan is obviously a huge a huge star. You know, let's wait and see how he performs. But you'd imagine he's going to be decent. Mm. Um, Katarian is a brilliant player, an absolutely brilliant player, who they've got for a really good price. I mean, less than thirty million pounds. It's, it's a fantastic signing. And if they get Pogba as well, you know. But you know, you can see what it means in terms of the agents. That's I can't remember almost an equivalent. Well, you can you've seen it happen with Mendes a couple of times. At, you know, Monaco Valencia, where a lot of players arriving. You know, he's kind of helping the club to sign players and. You know, but this is this is huge. This is very high level stuff. I mean, Mourinho's conference itself. That you know, they didn't. There was a lot going on in it. The probably the most uh, interesting thing that he said directly relating to the team was to do it Rooney. Yeah, I couldn't believe he answered that so directly. Yeah. What like, position do you see him playing in? Forward, midfield, and he went to great lengths to say Wayne Rooney's not a midfielder. Yeah, he's not a defensive midfielder. He's not a central midfielder. He's not. A, he's a striker midfielder. who I might have to shovel around a little bit and drop 
drop back 15 yards and He's move a vital around. striker in my rotation policy for the League <laughs> Cup and FA incredible. Cup. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, I, I, I think he's right. I mean, that's what we were saying oh, yeah. talking about <laughs> just, England. Just, managers don't often come out in the first press conference and say it. Why is he playing Why is he playing there? He's just he's not really doing anything. It's easy to do what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Like Marine, his, Mourinho his said. His passing is amazing, but then my passing is amazing when I've got, when no I'm pressure. under no pressure. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, it's cutting enough. Apparently he'd spoken to Rooney already about that. Uh, but I don't know if he's too bothered about what Wayne Rooney, Wayne Rooney thinks. Maybe not. I thought he was quite good in the press conference. I don't know if you, you were blown away by him. Uh, well, I thought his his uh, forty nine players stuff was ridiculous. I thought it that was... that probably was ridiculous, and that's the standout memory for most people of it. I, I thought, thought overall he, yeah, he was quite clear in stating that he's here to win titles, which he didn't didn't necessarily have to. Well, of course you're there to win titles. You're buying. Look at of course you are. But look again, at what's happening here. Again, you're setting yourself up for a fall there if you come second. Whereas you know you, you could see, say look, you could say look can, look at the state of this club. I mean, it's being run into the ground over the last few years. We, we're not even in the Champions League, so for us to come. Second or third would be great next season, and then we build. No, but he hasn't. He hasn't taken that easy option. He's admit, he admitted what we all know that he's there to win titles. But Justin Marine finds it intolerable to to not win. If he doesn't win, then someone it has to be someone else's fault, you know. And that's what that's where the the fights sort of start to happen. You know, he's there, there's got to be someone to blame, and that's what that's when things start to go wrong at the club. That's if, it's if he doesn't win. If you if you win, then you know obviously it's okay. He can he can keep going. But I mean, he should he should win. Hmm. Look, look at the players that they're signing. Yeah, they've got enormous financial resources. He's obviously well connected, transfer market wise. You know, they've they've, they've signed really big players. Why shouldn't he win the league? And, and and if he doesn't, it's it's like he won't he won't want to be there. You know what I mean? Mm. I think that's the way that he he operates. You're surprised? Are you suspected he might have come in and said? Well, actually, he did it at Chelsea, didn't he? he said. We're not good enough this year. We'll we'll finish second. I'm not actually surprised that he came in and said we're going to win the league. We're here to win the league. I just when you haven't seen Mourinho for a few months, I'm sure I might get sick of him after a while again, as happened at Chelsea this time. But when you haven't seen him, you forget how when he wants to, he can turn it on and answer these sort of questions directly. Say, yeah, I'm here to win the league. No, Rooney's a useless central midfielder. Uh, it's way more. It's just way more. It's it's part of his appeal that he he'll, he'll actually take these questions on. Of course, he'll play the media like a fiddle as he does mm. and we'll probably all fall for it on occasion though maybe not not as much as, as we're used to I think I, just, I think you just you get Mourinho fatigue a little bit and that, that's worn off now so I just kind of there's a little ray of sunshine even though he was didn't smile really much a little ray of sunshine yeah. a little yeah. silking ray of sunshine the, yeah, yeah. the 49 the non-smiling ray stuff, of sunshine. come on that wasn't great well, why, it, it just struck me as being unnecessarily defensive. It was, it was obviously things he, he said at one point, I can anticipate, you know, he, he, he knows the stuff he's going to be asked. Mm. And the stuff that he's <laughs> going to be asked is, uh, you don't play attacking football and you don't care about producing young players. And both of those are uh, supposed to be basic principles of what? Of the Manchester United way. So he, he knew that those questions were going to come up. And the first one he answered by saying, what is playing well? Playing well is scoring one goal more than the other team. Playing well is scoring more goals than the other team. In other words, playing well is winning. Mm. He equates playing... He doesn't recognise, you know, that there's any difference between playing well and not playing well. There's only a difference between winning and losing. That's his position. Um, which is which is fair enough. You know, I think I think Ferguson... I think Ernest Ferguson had quite a similar mm. outlook. Um but the other, the other thing was, the, you know, the producing players. And what he tried to do was basically say, I do produce players. Like, literally demolish the premise. You know, he was saying, it's a lie. It's a lie that's gone on for a long time. It's a big lie. Just, you know, once it's repeated and repeated, everyone starts to believe this lie. 
well, here's the truth, 49 players. Uh, then he sent around an email apparently with, you know, 50, an, an extra couple of players added on, including some who had never actually played for him. And in, apparently including players like, you know, Arjen Robin, <laughs> like Robin, this this massive signing Chelsea made and he gave him <laughs> like his Premier League debut and that, and he was counting Robin as a yeah. player. And if you look through the, the list of actual players, there's there's very few outstanding talents no, on and that so, And some of them played literally a couple of minutes. Absolutely, like, le, you know, less than 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, I think, I almost think he'd be better off saying, that's that's not my job. You know, I don't mm. know, I don't even, that's that's not what I did. Although he, he preferred to attack it head on and try and demolish the premise with like... A very bad argument. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what he should, well, I mean, I think if he had taken over from Alex Ferguson three years ago, I think maybe there's a... Uh, a reason for him to have this list of academy players to say that I can continue the 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 good work uh, uh, started by Alex Ferguson or continue by Alex Ferguson, you know, in the long history of this club. At this stage, Man United fans don't care no. about academy players. It's like the United finished seventh, fourth, and fifth in the last three seasons. I don't care what you have to do mm. to 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 get success. Academy players, yeah, like great Marcus Rashford. I mean. Marcus Rashford is great because he scored a load of really important goals at the end of last season. Mm. I mean, all the rest of the guys, I mean, who cares? You yeah. know what I mean? If we, if we never see those guys again and we win the league next year, yeah, we, uh, it's you know, the, we can take it's that. It's the same. It's, it, it's like, you know, we, we stay loyal to managers. Managers are here long term or we play kids. There are those things that you can claim to care about as long as you're guaranteed to be winning trophies. When you stop winning trophies, you very clearly demonstrate that those other things don't matter a toss mm. because you want the kids out of your team because they're not winning enough and you want the manager gone because you're not lifting trophies or getting into the Champions League. So I always thought that was the interesting thing when Ferguson left that all the crap, yeah, it is crap, that... United fans or the club claim to hold true and important would just would just disintegrate and they're the same as any other group of supporters there's nothing unique about United they're not overly patient in ways that other fans are and they don't love to see young players the way others don't they want to see win yeah everyone likes to see a young player come through and score loads of goals yeah, yeah in a team that wins the title but, but if, I mean, if you're not winning a title get rid of the kids and sign someone for 50 million there's very few there's very few young players who can actually play consistently at that level so it's the short termism of Mourinho Mourinho is like we have to win the league this this year we're winning the league this year and if if, if they don't there's going to be problems mm. you know there's, there's going to be problems here so why would you play a guy who might be good next year because he, he needs games this year in order to be good next year. That's that goes against your whole mm. your reason for being. So that's why he, he hasn't really been interested in it and he'd almost I think be better off pointing that out. Okay, who are Portugal going to be facing in the uh Euro twenty sixteen final? Murph? France. I'll go France. France. I'll go for France also. I'm going for France as well. This is we're all this Beer is Hoffel's totally right. right. It's gonna be we're so all obvious. Riding off the Germans. Three nil yeah, Germany. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it is nice to see an underdog in a final though, I suppose. <laughs> the I mean, we were Germany. talking about a Monday, so well, maybe Germany, yeah. All right, great stuff. Richie, thanks Ken. Murph, thanks, thanks a million. Owen, thanks, 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 thanks for Ken. listening. Cheers, We've got another podcast coming out later today, including US Murph on the probably the biggest transfer stories or one of them anyway in the history of American professional sport. So have a listen out for that. Cheers. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 